Genesis chapter number 9, I think the message tonight will help you. Uh, One of the bane of preachers, one of the difficult things about being a preacher is that whenever you preach on something, there's always people are thinking you're really talking about something that you're not actually really talking about. And, uh, and it seems like whichever way you go, always someone is going to think, this is directed at me, or, or though he said this, it's really about this. You know? And it's, it's, a little, it's a little hard sometimes as you're trying to just listen to God about what he'd have you to preach, because you'd get some things, and, and, and I, you know, I find myself talking to God, and I'll say, now, Lord, yeah, I get it, but, you know, as soon as I do that, so-and-so is going to think this, and so-and-so is going to think that. And uh, you kind of, you get worried that whatever you say, someone's going to, they're kind of going to be looking for the code in the message. You know, what, what was not said, what's, and particularly when the church is in a transition period. Uh, but the message I want to give you tonight, and if, please remember this, is primarily a personal thought. So, so pri- there will, there, there's always application to the body, but... But primarily, uh, this is a personal truth that I think can really help you and help others. And uh, when I get to the end of the message, I'm going to share with you uh, something that happened to me and how I had to apply this truth. And when I share that story with you, you'll, you'll understand that I am talking about a personal thing. Now, in Genesis chapter 9, we'll look at two places in the Bible tonight, a little bit of teaching. I hope we're starting off with this same attitude, Lord, if this is of you, teach me. Show me what's true, show me what I need to understand, and uh, just uh, help me. And it has to do with Noah, and towards the, uh, well, at least uh, the, the post-flood period. And we're given some details here uh, about Noah's life. And uh, in particular, something he did that I, I, would, I guess I'm going to say was a sin and that drunkenness is a sin. And, uh, and the results of that, he, uh, he drank wine in verse uh, 21. He grew a vineyard. I guess he drank too much wine. And uh, he was drunken. And that's the danger. And uh, then accompanied his drunkenness uh, was that uh, somehow, some way, uh, he was naked. Now, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he cast off his clothes. I don't know. I don't even know if he knows. Uh, but it happened. And the point of this is that in Genesis chapter 9, very early in the Bible, God is saying, I want to tell you about something. And I, and I want to show you who did what and how I responded to that. And so the lesson here is really about what God has us to do uh, and, and our responses to these kind of things. This is a message I preach to our church in Thailand. Now, this is, I don't, this is not the notes from Thailand. I've studied it afresh. But this is a message that I've communicated to our church in Thailand uh, because I thought that, uh, you know, they needed to hear this too. So sometimes, as Noah did here, uh, great men have moments that are not great. And I'm pausing because I want you to digest that. I want you to think about that and say, hmm, sometimes great men have moments that are not great. This is one of them in the life of Noah. David had them 
David had a spiritual connection with God that I think would be the envy of any of us. Uh, but yet David had uh, some moments like that. Uh, Moses had them. Uh, the Bible says there wasn't any prophet like Moses before or after in that God talked to him like a man would talk to his friend. And yet Moses had some moments in his life that were just not great. And, uh, and uh, some people, uh, you know, stumbled at that, principally his own family. Uh, Abraham had them. Peter had them. In fact, it's hard to find someone in the Bible who didn't have at least one of those moments or a situation like that. And we need to understand, and I think, you know, again, these things are here for our example, anomalies of someone's character, listen carefully, anomalies of someone's character, good or bad, are not the best way to make a determination about that person. An anomaly of their character. It's not, it's not, it's not the normal pattern of their life. Good or bad. That's not the way that you should decide who somebody is. And so, you know, we say, what's it about? It's about Noah. And soon it'll be about us. Uh, but uh, Noah continued after this time to be held as a great man in the, in the, in the view of God. In, you say, how do you know that? Because the scriptures that were written after this event continue to speak of Noah in a great way. Right through to the book of Hebrews and New Testament and other places where Noah is lifted up as being a great man of faith. So, so while this was a, a bad event in his life, it was an anomaly, it wasn't a pattern, it wasn't, it wasn't an everyday thing and, uh, and we see that God uh, was able to uh, pass over that. Now the bulk of the story that we read tonight and it's true uh, is not so much about Noah's drunkenness, though that is mentioned, but the narrative, the detail of the narrative is what happened after that. And the focus here is, is it, there's very little said about, from God about what Noah did, although I think we could work out that that was not something God would have wanted him to do. Uh, but the bulk of the narrative here has to do with the reaction of those who saw Noah's drunkenness and nakedness. And it's curious that it is their conduct that is judged by God in this passage rather than Noah's. Are you with me? And so, so it, it, that God is, puts the light on what they did uh, more than what Noah did. So uh, Ham here in verse 30, uh, 22 uh, saw his father's Nakedness, and and do you do you understand? Do you understand that that's kind of an improper thing to have happen in a family? Uh, I, I heard a family say the other day. Uh, they said uh, it was a little it was a little coarse for my mind. Uh, they said uh, we're an open door toilet family, uh, meaning that every time we go to the toilet, we just leave the door open. And they were saying the kids chat and come in, and I thought, you know, there's just something a little coarse about that. Uh, that's not God's intended way. Do you agree with that? Now, if you're an open-door toilet family, I'm sorry about that, but I don't think that's God's pattern for our living. And I'm just saying there are some things that you ought to immediately know is improper. 
There's just some things. Uh, uh, it ought to be that nakedness is not something that is seen by others, uh, something that is confined perhaps to husbands and wives. And, uh, and it's not wrong in that context, but, but it's just something not, not right about that. And Bible people understood that it was, it was neither respectful nor right to look upon your parents' nakedness. And please, please understand that and understand the culture. And, 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 and frankly, if that's not our culture, theirs is more correct than ours. There ought to, ought to just be some, something about that. And so when Ham saw Noah's nakedness, uh, he himself had a choice to make that day. And, and he, what he did in response to what he saw, are you listening? What he did in response to what he saw was he went and told other people. His response was, let's tell someone else about what I saw with Noah and, uh, and his nakedness. Now, uh, he could have done what his brothers did. He could have not told and he could have moved to correct or to help with the situation. But uh, his response was that uh, he went about and he told other people. Now, he may have done more than that. Some people suggest that, that, that something else happened here. And I, I don't know that it's possible, but, but I just know what the Bible says. And, uh, and he went and he told others uh, uh, about his father's nakedness. Now, the, what you should be seeing from this is that he saw something that was improper. Uh, it wasn't good. It wasn't, wasn't nice. Uh, it, it, it came as a result of sin, but, but then he went and talked about it to everybody. And God is going to judge him for that. And, and, and through his father, a curse will be put on that boy's life for his actions. Now, the other two brothers, and, and you say, is this per it'll get personal. The other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, when they knew that their father was in that condition and through his sin, when they knew that, they had no desire to see anything more. And I think that that's kind of how it goes with people when these things happen. Uh, there are the people who say, uh, there's no glory in this and I don't really need to know the detail and I don't want to know the detail. And, uh, and someone says, well, come and have a look. I don't want to look. Uh, I, just, I just want to help to get this worked out. That's, I think that's what the boys were thinking. And uh, they didn't desire to see anything more and they didn't want to know anything more about this bad moment in the life of their father. Because in the end, he is their father. And, and their father was a man of God. And right there in that moment in his tent as he was drunken, laid out and naked, he wasn't looking very godly. But his, his position had not changed before the Lord. It was an anomaly of his character. It was not normal. And so, so what those two boys did, and, and there's great detail given here. And, and the detail is given because it pictures what God does for us. And so what the boys did there, look in verse 23, Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. 
So Shem and Japheth said, this is embarrassing for dad and this is not good and we don't want to glory in it and we don't even want to see it. We just, we just want to help dad at this time. And, uh, and so they were very careful to, to take a garment and, uh, and, uh, and just, can you see that they're like, we don't, we don't want to look at this, we just want to help it get it fixed up. Ham wanted to tell, we don't want to tell. And they walked backwards to cover him. Now, now you say, how do, how do, why do we have all of these details? Because the Spirit of God was watching it all. Because, because what just seemed like a thing was, there was God was paying attention. And people were going to be judged on their responses to what they did. And I'm teaching this, and I taught this in Thailand, because I believe that every Christian ought to be like the two and not like the one. And I believe that, that amongst our friends, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I don't think we ought to be the people saying, uh, did you see what they put up on the internet about him? You know, I, I, don't, I, I think when you do that, you're in the category of ham. Did you, did you know about this? Did you see this? I, I haven't seen any of those things. I'm told that preachers I know and love, you just, pre, you just preach or pastor long enough in this day and age and do it right enough and someone will attack you somewhere. And they'll distort what you said and uh, they'll misrepresent who you are and, uh, and they'll, they'll accuse you of something or whatever, whatever, you know. Uh, one man went on a church, uh, went up on YouTube to accuse the pastor who used to preach in other places that he was going around on a perpetual holiday staying in hotels on the church budget. And I'm just saying that, that, that it doesn't take much for some disgruntled person or somebody to put something up somewhere. It's prolific in our day. And you have to decide as an individual Christian what your character is and how you respond to that. And, and, and what we ought to do is be like the second situation where we say, I don't want to see that. I don't want to watch the YouTube video. I'm not interested in reading those accusations. Uh, I, if I can cover it up, I will. Uh, but but, but I, don't, I don't want to, you know, if I can, I will, but I'm not interested in doing all that. And so these two uh, took a garment and covered up their father's nakedness because of his sin. Now, a Bible uh, people ought to pick up right away when you read that someone took a garment and covered over somebody else's sin. What do you think that might be speaking of? What, what do you think that could be a type of? That someone took a garment and covered another's nakedness, remembering that when Adam sinned, what was the first thing that happened? His eyes were opened and he saw he was naked. And so there's a connection between nakedness and sin right back from the beginning. Hello. And so when God is telling us here that someone took a garment, a little bit like what God did when he clothed Adam and Eve. Hello. He clothed them because he said, your attempts to cover yourself with leaves is not working. He clothed them that when you read here that somebody took a garment, they didn't take a blanket. They took a garment and they covered over his nakedness. It's a picture that Christ has covered us with his righteousness and, and, and covered over our sin. 
and that we, we, we shelter under the garment of Christ. And when God looks at me, he doesn't see the nakedness of my sin, but he sees Christ covering over me. The blood of Jesus Christ covers me from my sin. And so it's a, it's a picture of that. And so, so uh, they took the garment and respectfully and carefully, they were not interested in glorying in sin. Uh, they didn't want to hear about it. Uh, you know, listen, I've had people say to me about things before, well, I just need to tell you about this. And I say, no, you don't. And they say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you. I said, no, you're not. And they say, well, you, you, you need to listen to me. And I said, I'm not listening about this. And it gets difficult. But, but I, character and personal conviction uh, demands that I do no less about anybody, anybody. I would not glory in the sin of one of my enemies. I would not want to know about it. I remember Brother Sid Hunter, who used to be at this church, who was the editor of a paper called The Biblical Fundamentalist, uh, which Banner said, earnestly contending for the faith. And, uh, and part of that paper's operation was to, to uh, print it over here in Brendale. Uh, part of that paper's operation was that he would take a stand for various things. So, so uh, uh, you know, when the Pentecostal movement was sort of rising and uh, he would speak out in the paper against things that, that were not scriptural about that or, uh, you know, I don't think it would be welcome this day, by the way. I, I, don't, I don't think we're allowed to speak out about anything anymore. I think we're just supposed to agree with everything. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, it would go down too well. But that's what he would do. He would speak out against that. And some of the, the leading Pentecostal figures that had, uh, had quite a following in America, you know, he would, he, would, he would speak about something if they erred or said something was not scriptural, and that was the nature of the paper. And I remember one of the leading identities of the day was Jimmy Swaggart. And, uh, and Jimmy Swaggart had a very public fall from ministry. Do you remember that? And it was on TV and it was pretty awful. And the, the secular press gloried in showing it over and over and over again. Now, I, I believe he was set up, by the way. And I, I could tell you who I, who I believe did that. But I won't. But when that came out, I remember seeing Brother Sid Hunter on that day who had written in that paper many times about the errors of the charismatic movement. And, uh, and uh, I said, Brother Hunter, I was very young. I wasn't pastoring. I said, Brother Hunter, did you see that this had happened and was on the news? And I'll never forget, uh, his reaction was quite different to what I would have anticipated. He stopped. He looked at me. He looked at the floor. He paused. And he said, it's very sad, Brother Wayne. We need to pray for him. And, uh, and I remember as he walked off how that was just a lesson for me. And I want to say something that that, that character does not even glory in the, in the sin of even our enemies. And, and you ought to just, I'm just trying to say that you ought to just make a personal decision that that's not me. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know the details. I'm not, I'm not going on YouTube. I'm, I'm not looking on the internet. I, I can live my life walking with God perfectly well uh, without dancing in the sewer. And I'm just not going that way. And it's just a personal decision you make based on your own character and what you believe a Christian ought to do. 
and, and what you would want people to do if somebody was accusing you. And so, so, so they took the garment and like the Lord, uh, they covered over his sin. And what I want to try to delineate here tonight is it was covering over, not covering up. And there's a difference in those two things. A cover-up is when you deny anything happened. A cover-up would be to say he, was, he, he wasn't drunk and he wasn't naked and, and you know, there was nothing. They, they knew something had happened, but, but they were covering it over. And I want to show you that that's what God and great people do. They, they do that. In Proverbs 12, verse 16, we read, A prudent man covereth shame. In Proverbs 79, uh, 17, verse 9, we read, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Isn't that true? He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Did you ever do that in your home? I'm always doing that. You know, one of the kids will say something about mum, and I'll say, oh, she didn't mean that. And they might say, dad. And I'll say, you know, she, she, I don't, she, and that wasn't the way you're looking at it. And I'll say to mum, you know, she, she didn't mean that. Oh, I tell you, Sarah can get nasty sometimes. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just will say, I'll say, honey, she just didn't mean that, you know. And I'm always just trying to just, 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 just cover it over, just, just take care of it. So why do you do that? I, I want peace. Hey, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed. God said, blessed. Bless them. Bless that one. Bless that home. Bless that man. Bless that ministry. Bless that brother. Bless that sister. Blessed are the peacemakers. Are very different from those who, who separate brethren and separate chief friends. If you've ever separated good friends, you, you have something to be ashamed of. If you were the one who came into a relationship and split up friends, you have something to be ashamed of. Get it right. Because that's not a good thing. Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Oh, I don't think the Bible says that. Proverbs 25.2, it is the glory of God to conceal a thing. Listen, that's not a cover up, that's a cover over. God, God has not covered up my sin, he covered over my sin. My sin is known to God, and, and, but he covered it over. That's what, that's what he's saying. And, and I'm just saying that that's what Christians ought to do. When God forgives our sins, there's no denial that we have sinned, but God covers over our sins by the blood of Jesus, and he speaks no more of it. I've had God tell me when I've, I've said, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. Three days later about the same thing. And God has said to me, enough, Wayne. It's, it's over. It's done. Stop, stop bringing it up again and again and again. I mean, when the Lord forgives you, it's forgiven. And I, I, I get it. That's hard to believe. But, but he would not have you to keep speaking of it. See, because he knows that that is destructive to your walk with God. And he knows it does not help you to be self-condemning. And he has provided a way at great cost to himself that our sins can be forgiven and forgotten. And the Lord does not bring it up again and again. Nobody is like our God, by the way. 
He's good, good, good. So, so there's a pattern there of God's working. Now, I'm teaching you this is a matter of principle for life that will, that will help you and will enable you to help others. I've taught my Thai church this. You understand that we, we, we started a church from nothing, zero, zilch, nobody. There wasn't one in the area. So first we had one person, then we had two, then we had a few more, and God is added. But, but that gave us a chance to shape, to shape the spirit, small s, of what that church would be. What kind of church would it be? Our church is like a city of refuge. You know what a city of refuge was in the Bible? It was a place where people could flee uh, when, when they were being uh, uh, hunted down for something that they had done. And what they would do, they would come to that city and they would, they would tell the elders of the city what happened. Now, they never told everybody. And the elders would listen to that and once they knew, they would just let them in and that, that place would provide a protection for them. And I said to our church, we're going to be like a city of refuge and we'll take the people who come and we'll take the people that others will not take. And, and we, we, will, we will bring people in here and when we're here, we will assemble together in the presence of God and Jesus will be our focus and the word of God will get our attention and we won't be sitting around the room looking at each other and trying to work out who sinned and who did. We won't do that uh, because we'll remember we're all sinners and we all needed a saviour and uh, we have a church that loves people and you come into our church and you're loved and you're welcomed. People come into our church, you wouldn't be afraid to go into other churches. And I, 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 I taught our church that, and I said, we need to be that way. And I taught them that God covers our sins. And, uh, how, and by the way, that never results in a less holy church. Because when people are truly touched by the love of God and all that he's done, they love him more. And when you love him more, you live for him more. And our church is sacrificial. And, and I've seen people uh, uh, take off a little gold ring. I remember a little girl take off a little gold ring, a year of salary that she wore as a band around her finger uh, to keep there in case mother got sick and needed to go to hospital or in case something happened and someone was hurt. And that was her entire savings for life. She didn't own a home, she didn't own a car, she didn't own anything, but she just had this little band that she'd saved up to keep and I, I've seen her wiggle that off her finger and with tears down her face, drop it in the offering bag and give it to Jesus. No, no, you, you don't get less when people understand how forgiven and how wonderful God is. That doesn't result in a less holy church. That results in more godly people who love the Saviour. Well, one of the songs tonight, I nearly started crying when I was over there. I said, stop it. You control yourself. You have to get up in the pulpit. You can't do that. But I'm still moved by the goodness of God. And I don't, I don't want to lose that. And I want people to be able to come into our midst and feel that. And, and feel the welcome of the presence of God. You know what our country wants to do? Our country wants to continue to keep bringing up our historical mistakes and never let us get out from under it. And it seems like it doesn't matter how long ago it was, we've just got to keep talking about it and keep talking about it and keep talking about it. And we weren't even born when it happened. 
And our grandparents weren't even born when it happened. But somehow it's our fault. And, and we just got to keep talking. And all it does, it, it stops us all from being able to go forward. And it just keeps us in a perpetual place of blame and condemnation. You know what we need to do? We need to take a garment and cover over our own history and say, look, there was some regrettable things there. And listen, I, I, have, I, have, I have indigenous people in my family. And, uh, and if it wasn't such a well-kept family secret, I'd say it out, but some, probably someone will hear this sometime. But, but, but clear is clear, documented. And, uh, and uh, I'm not speaking this as someone who, who does not have empathy for the way people were treated, but I'm saying that there comes a time where we have to just pick up a garment and cover some of this stuff over and say it's done. And we, we, you know, we regret it happened, but it, it's done. Because if we never cover it over, we can never move forward. Now, let me give you a personal application about some of the things you might be dealing with yourself. Second Samuel chapter 20. And please do not assume or read into my message uh, things that you might think I'm saying that actually I'm not saying. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying what I said. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but isn't it really? A, no, it's not. It's about what I said. It's about what I, there's no code. There's, there's no, I'm talking about this, but it's really about this. I'm not. I'm saying what I said. Second Samuel chapter 20, verse number 8 to 13. I'll read it and then we'll make an application and we'll be done. And it has to do with uh, Joab and Amasa. And uh, verse number eight, Joab, and, and Joab had, a, had, a, had bad feelings towards Amasa. Uh, but and yet David had welcomed him in as part of the, 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 the people of God. The difference between the kingdom of Saul and the kingdom of David, the kingdom of Saul was about turning people against each other. There was division, there was suspicion, uh, there was spear throwing, uh, there was accusations. Saul's kingdom was riddled with that. And when you, you study it through, David came and ruled uh, uh, as a picture of Christ and he brought people together. And, uh, and he had no appetite for the divisions and he brought Israel and Judah together. And so Amasa, uh, you say, well, what's the story, preacher? Amasa and Joab meet. And as, uh, as uh, Joab is walking to Amasa, his sword falls out. And he picks it up in his hand. So now, now Joab has got a sword in his hand. And he's going up to greet Amasa. And uh, he's going to kill him. And, uh, and, and the Bible will, will make the point Amasa should have seen the sword in his hand. Uh, but he, I guess he just believed the best in someone. In verse 9, Joab says to Amasa, Art thou in health, my brother? That's kind of like a snake, isn't it? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with the right hand to kiss him. But Amasa took no heed to the sword that was in Joab's hand. He thought he just picked it up as it fell out of its sheath. So he smote him therewith in the fifth rib and shed out his bowels to the ground and struck him not again and he died. So, so Joab has slain Amasa in a... In a uh, you know, a very bloody episode. And Amasa falls to the ground 
but the soldiers are on their way to a, a battle. There's something they need to do. And, uh, and verse number 12, and a mesa wallowed in blood in the midst of the highway. He's dead, right? And he, Are you getting a picture? But he's laying on the road. And when the men saw that all the people stood still, who were the people? It was the people who had a mission to do. It was the people who were on their way to do something for their king. But their forward progress was hindered because of what was lying on the road. Now, now, this is personal. Because there are people here tonight who have had an inability to go forward because you can't get over something that happened before in your life and you've got a bloodied body on the roadway and it's making you stand still. And you, you, you just have stopped and you can't get your eyes off what, is, what you're looking at. Let's follow it. And verse 12, and the man saw that all the people stood still. He removed Mesa, a Mesa out of the highway into the field and here it is, he cast a cloth upon him when he saw that everyone that came by him stood still. And when he was removed out of the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue after Sheba, the son of Berchai. So, so what I want you to see there, and, and again, please understand, these are not just sort of cute, weird stories. This is God teaching you. This is what I was talking about this morning. These are the principles of the word of God that you must learn to be able to live life well. And what was happening here was that a mesa is laying dead on the road and it was a bad sight to see. By the way, a wrong had occurred. Joab did wrong. And I'm not saying to you that the thing you keep remembering or, or the thing you can't get your mind off that is stopping you. I'm not saying that what you remember was not a wrong. In fact, it will have more power to stop you if it was a wrong. You may have been wronged. You, you may have been mistreated by someone in your life. You may have been hurt by someone that you did not hurt. You, you may well have that have happened to you. Uh, but the problem is this, that as long as that stays before you, you can't go forward. You, you keep seeing it. You, 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 I, I know people who, who are uh, well, who have you know, marriages and children and have grown up, and they're still talking about things that happened in their adolescent years and still hearkening back to injustices that were injustices, but still hearkening back to injustices before. I'm talking about kids who are adults who are still thinking about things that mum and dad did wrong. And, and keep talking about that like that's a reason you can't grow up and that's a reason you're not walking with God and that's a reason you can't go forward because you, you know something that mum and dad did or mum did or dad did or someone else did or something happened... And I'm trying to tell you there's a body on the road and it's making you stand still and what you've got to do, you've got to get that mentally covered. 
And covering it over is not covering it up. Are you listening? We're not asking you to deny it happened. No one's trying to tell you if somebody hurt you, they didn't hurt you. No one's trying to say to you if someone mistreated you or they didn't mistreat you. Maybe, maybe the thing that has caught your fixation is highly legitimate and true. But God is trying to teach us that you will not be able to do the business of the king if you allow this thing to keep stopping you in your tracks. And you've got to cover it over mentally. You've got to seek God to help you to bed that thing down and, and put it to rest. And he, and he covered it and, and, he, and he took it out of the way so the people could get on with the business of, of what the king would have them to do. Now, uh, I won't turn there, but in 1 Kings, when uh, David handed over to Solomon, David says to Solomon, what Joab did to Amasa was wrong. Take care of it. Take care of it. And it, it, was, it was recompensed. God, God took care of it. Listen, the Bible says this. God is not saying that you have to say that it was okay, but God is saying to you, I will avenge you. I, I will recompense you. Give it to me. Is, isn't that what Romans 12 teaches us? Recompense to no man evil for evil. Hello, let's read it slowly. Recompense to no man evil for evil. That means you got evil. Somebody did evil to you. So let me, let me say it again. God said, don't give back evil. He said, but I got evil. I know, this is what he said. He said, you got evil, but don't give back evil. Verse 19, Romans 12, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. God said, I will take care of that. Now, you know why you can't get over it? Because you don't believe that. You believe you have to take care of it. You, you believe if you forget it, God will forget it. If you could trust God with it, you could move on. And there are all kinds of things, and I would say that many people here have different things in your life likened to that, that body on the road. And God is, God is saying, I'm not asking you to cover it up. I'm not asking you to deny it happening. I'm asking you to cover it over and move it out of the way. So you can get on with the king's business. Too many people mentally have bodies on the road that are still uncovered. And you, and you can't move forward. And you need, to, you need to go to God tonight or tomorrow or whenever you would. And you need to ask God to cover that over for you. So you say, what was your story? Here's my story. A few years ago, well, it was quite a few, I went to Papua New Guinea. And I had been preaching in Papua New Guinea for uh, several days and several nights. 
and I was making, on the, on, the, on the given morning that I'm about to tell you of, I was making my way to the airport to catch a flight from a little town to another main city in Papua New Guinea to catch a flight back to Cairns to catch a flight back to Brisbane. And uh, as we were travelling that morning, I was in a car, uh, I think it was a Land Rover, an old one, with some Papua New Guinea nationals, and we were travelling, and as we were going along the road, unexpectedly, and it all happened very quick, uh, some men came out of the side of the road and began shooting at us. And they, they, there was the sound of gunfire, uh, the window of the vehicle shattered, uh, uh, fragments I could hear going past me and around me. Uh, the car radically swerved and nearly went off the road. And boom, 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 the guns were all going. And uh, I was covered in glass and, and we got through. And let me tell you, it was a very disturbing event. Now, I don't know if you've been shot at like that, but that was a first for me. I wasn't expecting it. I was quite shaken up by it. The people who were with me were quite shaken up. I can remember having glass in my hair and, and all over me. And, and uh, I, I, let, I still had to go. I left there that morning. I got on a flight. Uh, but it, 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 it had shaken me. Uh, I, I boarded a plane. I, I finally got back to Cairns. I was getting on a, a, a Qantas flight from Cairns back to Brisbane. And the thing I remember the most was from, getting, from, from when that happened, when I got shot at that morning, to being on that Qantas flight in Cairns. It's only been about four hours. And I was still quite shaken. And I remember sitting there and I was looking at everybody else on the flight. Some people were reading books and some people were having cups of tea. And I was just thinking, how can you be normal when this has happened to me? How, how, how can you all just be so normal? I, I nearly died. I, I got shot at. This wasn't a movie. This really happened to me. And I, I was quite disturbed by that. And, uh, and I did not return to Papua New Guinea. I don't know if I've been back since. I, I can't recall. But I can tell you it really disturbed my mind. And I just asked God, please help me with that. About two years ago, I was in Thailand... And I was driving through a small town and I looked over. The vehicle was moving very slow. I was in, I was in a, an open vehicle. There wasn't no windows. The vehicle was moving very slow. And I looked over and about from me to the wall was a man holding a rifle. And he had it pointed at me. And he followed me like that with the rifle. And he, he had a particular kind of like a half smirk on his face and he made direct contact with my eyes and and he followed and I and then he never did shoot and and we went past that but here's what happened everything that had happened before came back to me and it, it began to I could tell it was shaking me and I had a surge of anxiety rise up within me about who was that and is this going to are they going to come after me and what was that about and 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 fear and anxiety and every, everything came back and what i realized was if i don't deal with this 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 will stop me going forward and i was there to do the king's business so here's what i had to do i had to make a very deliberate prayer to the lord 
And I, I remember praying this. I said, Lord, I need to forget what just happened to me. And, and I keep, I know now I can't forget it. I can't, it's very vivid to me. I can see it. God, I need to forget this because I can't go forward. And I know that the devil will use this to stop me being able to live my life for you. And so I prayed, Lord, I'm asking you to erase it from my mind. I, I want you to work in my mind that I can't even remember it. I can't visualise it anymore. I, want it to, I need it to go, Lord. And this will have to be you because everything in me keeps bringing it up. And I prayed that prayer and I, it was really a miracle of God. Sometimes the greatest miracles are what happens within, not what happens without. And God just brought me to a place within a few days where it was just completely out of my psyche. It was completely gone. I didn't, I didn't think about it. And even for me to tell you about it, you know, I have to think, you know, it's hard to even visualise how he looked and all that. But, I, you know, it, did, it all happened. I had to get to the place, not that I covered it up, because it did happen, but that I allowed God to cover it over. And you might have something in your life that you've got to pray a prayer like that and say, Lord, I need you to cover this over because I can't go forward when I just keep seeing this over and over and over again. And I don't know what it is for you. It's why I said tonight the message personal. This is really what I wanted to say because I believe there are people here tonight who have been trawling over things and hearkening back to things and I believe God would want you delivered from that. And I believe if you're going to be the person that God wants you to be, you're going to have to let him cover that up so you can move forward. And that's the message. And I wonder tonight if that has resonated with anybody, if, if, there's, if that's a prayer that you need to make tonight to ask the Lord to, to set you free from that. So, so you don't even talk about those things anymore. That's how you'll know you're free. And you won't be visualising it over and over again. And you, 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 you'll be released from it. And, and Jesus can do that for you. But let's go ahead and stand. We will have an altar call tonight. I'd like someone to come play on the piano. All to Jesus I surrender. All my memories... Uh, all the things I've seen, all the heartache, all to Jesus, I surrender. And maybe tonight there are some who would use the altar and come to a special place of prayer to ask God to do something special for you tonight. Let's have the piano play. If God spoke to you tonight, would you step forward and take a moment to pray at this altar? you want to pray where you are you can pray but the altar is open some of you need to come you need to come and uh, and you'll know you need to come because you, you heard what God said to you tonight this is a chance to get some help and maybe maybe you might there might be someone here tonight that said look I don't think that's me but listen I'm living with someone who's going through that very thing and I'll call their name to the Lord tonight just just asking the Lord we're not asking for a cover-up 
we're asking God to cover it over, to cover it over. I want to be free from that, Lord, and I don't want to be hindered in thy work. And I, I want you just to, just to help me to get a deliverance from that, to get a, a peace about that, to just, to just be free from that. And, and I believe that as sure as God answered me, he'll answer you. That if you'll pray a prayer like that. Brother Paul, are you here? Would you come and lead the song? Uh, all to Jesus I surrender. Let's get it up on the, on the board. It's time to pray. I want to give the people praying time. If you're praying in your pew or back there, feel free to drop down and take a moment to pray. Uh, wherever you want to. It's more important that you just call out to the Lord. I'm feeling tonight for young people who are hindered in your walk with God because of someone else's failure or something you saw in someone else and and you know you've hearkened back to you need, you need to not be hindered the work of the king is the most important thing doing what Jesus wants you to do that's why you're here tonight that's why you're alive as much as God is here he wants to use you in that way let's go ahead and sing this song we'll sing all the verses there's plenty of time to pray I'll come back to the pulpit and lead in a word of prayer when we're done with the song. Brother Paul, go ahead and lead us in the song.